Overdraft fees are just the worst. Get up to $200 in fee-free overdraft with a Chime checking account. Sign up today at chime.com slash goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And welcome back into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Sersosimo, and today you're listening on the Believe Network. Novak Djokovic is a 24-time Grand Slam champion, the number one player in the world after the U.S. Open. He is the oldest man ever to win the U.S. Open, and he ties Margaret Court at 24 Grand Slams after defeating Daniil Medvedev in straight sets at the U.S. Open on Sunday. What Novak Djokovic did at the U.S. Open was an absolute masterclass. You would expect it from Novak. I expected it from Novak. And I was open with you on this podcast about the last two weeks. I felt like he had the best chance to win because of his route to the finals. And although he was very tired in the finals, I think Medvedev's two weeks caught up to him a little bit quicker. Medvedev had to go through Rublev. He had to go through Carlos Alcaraz. On his way to playing Novak Djokovic in the final. He had to play great to beat Rublev, which was in the heat of the day on Arthur Ashe Stadium. He had to play Carlos Alcaraz, which at the time, he's the number one player in the world during the tournament. The number one seed. Very physical match. He played outstanding. Beats Carlos Alcaraz. And he would have to play just as good to beat Novak Djokovic. What an amazing final. What an amazing final two weeks of the Grand Slam season. And also Coco Goff winning on the women's side. We're going to get to all of it right here on this episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm jacked up. It was kind of a boring final, but the U.S. Open delivered in so many ways. I did an episode after the semifinal preparing you guys and myself for the finals over this weekend. And Coco Goff beats Arena Sibalinka and Novak Djokovic beats Daniil Medvedev in the final. Now, the final, honestly, was a little bit underwhelming. Not a lot really happened in it. Um, it was, you know, some great points, don't get me wrong, but straight sets, I would have loved to see it go four sets. Uh, Daniil Medvedev had a set point in the second set to split sets, and he just hit the he hit it cross court right into the volley of Novak Djokovic and never really rebounded after that. Novak won that set in a tiebreak, then goes on to, you know, dominate in the third set and win the title. Um, Novak, after the match, very emotional. Very, very emotional. Uh, I think there's a lot that's happened in his camp when it comes to being in New York and the pressure that comes with trying to get your 24th Grand Slam title. Uh, they had the 24 you know, jackets, and he had a 24 Mamba shirt on to you know, represent 24, but also honor Kobe, who wore number 24. They were prepared for this Grand Slam. They were probably prepared to win this uh, number 24 at Wimbledon this year when Djokovic lost to Alcaraz. But Novak Djokovic, what he's done in this sport, especially this year at 36 years old, he wins three Grand Slams this year. He starts in Melbourne, wins the Australian Open, wins the French Open in Paris, and then comes to New York and wins the U.S. Open. This is the first time he's playing in the U.S. Open in a couple years. Last time he was in the U.S. Open, he lost to Daniil Medvedev. This is a city and a tournament that hasn't been... Also kind, I guess, to Novak. Uh, although he's got a lot of fans here, he didn't get a play here during the pandemic. 
Uh, he played here during the pandemic, but then afterwards he didn't have his vaccine, so he wasn't able to come for a year. You know, he was disqualified from the tournament at one point because he hit a line judge with a ball, and the line judge had to leave the court uh, to get it checked out, and so that offered him a, for, a for automatic forfeit, so he had to be done. Uh, he'd only won three Grand Slams of his 23 at the U.S. Open, which means three other ones he's won 20 times. The U.S. Open, although he's great on hard court, he just hadn't conquered that beast as well as he'd conquered all the other beasts. Something always happened, and he wouldn't win the U.S. Open. He wins his fourth U.S. Open title now with 24 Grand Slam titles in all, and he beats Daniil Medvedev. This match, although not very entertaining, I would say at points, uh, sometimes boring at points, just because uh, it was a very consistent match as far as both players very consistent. Medvedev was playing the long game, it seemed like, from the beginning. Uh, he'll stay in points. He stayed in points. He was ready to you know, battle it out through a long period of time because Novak was getting very, very tired, it seemed, because the points were lasting so long. There were things Novak was doing to try and shorten the points, Drop shots, ripping backhands, ripping forehands, trying to get out of the point because Daniil Medvedev was ready to just play and play and play and play and play. But ultimately, I'm not sure if Medvedev just ran out of juice or if Novak figured it out. Uh, but it looked like Medvedev got pretty tired. And once you know the writing was on the wall in the third set, when Medvedev got broke by Djokovic, and then Djokovic got broke by Medvedev to put it back on serve, and then... Djokovic broke again, and that was kind of the end-all, be-all of this match. Novak looked tired. This is the first time I've watched him where I thought, man, he's exhausted, right? Like, uh, I don't know if he could go five, right? Like, obviously, he could go five, but he was stretching. He was hitting his his quads, his calves earlier in this match, like second set type stuff where it's like, dude, this match could go for a lot longer. If this goes four deep into the fifth, can he physically keep up with it. Now, I'm not doubting the endurance of Novak Djokovic, but the way he looked early in this match, he was breathing heavy. He was trying to get as much, you know, cold air on his face from the AC. Like, he was doing everything he could, in my eyes, to not be completely exhausted or not cramp. I'm not sure which one, but he he looked tired in this match. And this was one of the first times that I've been like, oh my, like, he is kind of old, right? I don't know if he can last. I don't know what he can do here. So, but nevertheless, he gets it done in three. I think that was important to him to get this done in three. So he really didn't have to do anything else because that would have been not great, to be honest, because I'm not sure what would have happened in the fifth set. Daniel Medvedev just, you know, he mentioned in the post-game pre or in the post-match press conference that uh, on stage he said, I've played Rafa and Novak in five slam finals now, and I've only won one. He is so close. He's so close to winning another one. He won the U.S. Open a few years back, and he's so close to winning another Grand Slam. He just can't get over that hump again. Uh, in, in the pre-match, Chris McKendry? No, Renee Stubbs, sorry. Renee Stubbs said, asked him, is it give you confidence that you've beaten him in this moment before at the U.S. Open? He said, no, not really, because I've angered Novak, and Novak always comes back better than ever. So, Fair point. Novak did come back better than ever. He beat Daniil Medvedev in straight sets, three sets, to win his 24th Grand Slam title. Incredible stuff from Novak Djokovic. Emotional after the match. So emotional. I think it took a lot for him to get to this point. It always does to win a Grand Slam. 
but at 36 years old in a very physical match, uh, a long two weeks with a lot of heat, Novak Djokovic gets it done. He's kissing his kids, kissing his wife, hugging everybody around him. Uh, and he was emotional after this match because he knows just how hard it is and all the records that he's continuing to break at 36. I don't know if he's still surprising himself. Maybe he is. But what he's doing on the tennis court is no short re- no short of remarkable. On the women's side, it's Coco Goff that takes a title against Serena Sabalenka, which I've already mentioned. Uh, this match goes back and forth. It goes all the way to a third set, and Goff kind of runs away with it. Remarkable, remarkable grand slam for Coco Goff at her home slam in New York City to win her first major ever. It is awesome to see Coco Goff have this type of success. If you remember on this podcast probably... A month ago, maybe, we had Steve Wiseman on. A couple months ago. It might have been right in June, maybe. We had Steve Wiseman on to talk about all things tennis, and he talked about the expectations for Coco and how it might be a little unrealistic to put these really big expectations on Coco, saying that she, you know, we're disappointed. There's a disappointment on her for not winning a Grand Slam yet. And then take a step back and realize she's only 19 years old. She turned pro when she was 14, jumped on the scene when she was 15. Just because she's been on tour and a big piece of tour for the last four years doesn't mean it's disappointing she hasn't won a Grand Slam because she's only 19 years old when it's all said and done. And now she's 19 years old with a Grand Slam title. She's the youngest American to win the U.S. Open since Serena Williams did in 1999. Coco Goff, 19 years old. Incredible. There's a video going around social media right now with Coco dancing at the U.S. Open, I believe, in 2012. She was eight years old. Eleven years later, she's winning the U.S. Open. Incredible. Dreams do come true here in America, and they do come true at the U.S. Open. Coco Goff, such an inspiration to so many young women out there and so many young athletes. And for her to be this dominant at the U.S. Open, all tournament, it just felt like this was something special for Coco Goff, right? She was, everything was so businesslike. She was just cruising, and nothing seemed too big for her. She felt, she looked comfortable out there and I felt like this if it was going to be it was going to be this tournament uh remarkable so awesome to watch she's probably about to go on a huge media tour as she should soak in the moment Coco Goff you are a Grand Slam champion as for the U.S. Open I thought it was a fantastic tournament once again as I'm I'm open about this and as a lot of you know the U.S. Open is my favorite Grand Slam um I think it's the best sporting event in the world it's two weeks you know they get a little under a million people, I believe, go through the grounds of, you know, the USDA, Billie Jean King National Tennis Center. And the men, the women, the wheelchair, the doubles, all of it is so good. I think they do such a good job of putting on this event. It's the only Grand Slam I've been to. But playing in Arthur Ashe Stadium for these players, it seems like such a special feeling. And it is the largest stadium for tennis. 23, 24,000 people it holds, Uh, the elegance, the celebrities, just having that massive stadium feel for a Grand Slam like this is remarkable and awesome and incredible, and there's so many ways to describe it, but until you experience it, you'll never truly know how special Arthur Ashe Stadium is. Uh, 20 years after Andy Roddick wins it as an American. He hands a trophy to Novak Djokovic on this championship Sunday as Novak Djokovic now wins his 24th Grand Slam. The U.S. Open, a great tournament once again. It had it had the thrill, right? Caroline Wozniacki coming back on tour has a great run. A lot of mothers on the women's side playing really, really well. 
Uh, three men make it into the quarterfinals that are from America and their home slam. You know, Chris Eubanks loses early and then goes in the ESPN booth and announces the rest of the tournament. Like, so much that the U.S. Open brought to us, the fans, this year. And it never ceases to amaze me how well this tournament goes, how good it is, and the storylines that follow. Uh, I talked about the American men. Jack Sock, he retired uh, from tennis to take up pickleball. One of the great American men throughout the last decade, I would say. John Isner, same category. Probably had a little bit better of a career for sure. Longer career for sure. John Isner calls it quits at the U.S. Open. So much happened this year in New York City. I appreciate you listening to this episode. We'll probably catch up next week. Uh, let, let a week sit on kind of the tennis world after it kind of calms down after the Grand Slam swings are done. I believe the Davis Cup stuff is next. And then there's an Asian swing somewhere with some tournaments, I believe, that is coming up. So we'll get into all of that next week. I appreciate you listening. Thank you so much for sticking along for my U.S. Open coverage. As you can tell, this is my favorite tournament in the world in these two weeks. Although some late nights watching tennis, it's my favorite. So thanks for listening. See you next week. Have a good week. And Novak Djokovic, 24 Grand Slams. I think he's uh, the GOAT for sure. Don't you think? Overdraft fees are just the worst. Get up to 200 in fee-free overdraft with the Chime checking account. Sign up today at Chime.com slash Goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.